So, so yeah. we just intro the podcast first. You yeah. can try it. Okay. That's cool. But in terms of when, when, when you've done the intro and stuff like that, are you just freeballing that? Are you going to ask him questions? Yeah, we're not going to ask him anything specific. Sometimes it's just good for that minute as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. <coughs> yeah, that's cool. Right, are we no, ready? It's inclusive, yeah. not exclusive. Inclusive for fat people. Right, are we ready? Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. This is episode seven. I am Will Mapley, and I am Chloe Robinson. Welcome back, indeed. You are. Yeah, you are. There, mate. What are you looking yeah. up for? I'm not normally in this room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just inspecting it. Um, <laughs> Today we have with us, we may as well intro right now, manager of Dream Fitness, George Roythorn. Not Roythorn. Not Roythorn. Not Roythead. No. Roythorn. Welcome, George. Welcome. <laughs> Thank to you. Thank you for having me. The studio. Finally got myself in on it. Episode 7. Been well, working my way in for six episodes. Finally got it. Well, we thought we might have to invite you in sometime, so. Feel privileged to be here. So we're going to be talking a little bit to George today, a little bit about himself, his life pre-gym, leading up to what led him into the fitness industry, um, and obviously things that you do now, the RE CrossFit, getting into being an athlete, a CrossFit athlete. Um, So let's jump straight in, George. Cool. So Tell us who you are. um, Well, yeah. So other than being currently gym manager and CrossFit and doing all sorts of stuff at Dream Fitness for the last seven years. Um, Pre-Dream Fitness, I suppose for me, fitness started uh, quite young age with basketball. Um, I probably started playing basketball at year seven. So what's that, like 10 years old, I think? 11, yeah, 10, 11. 10, 11. So pretty much, uh, I wanted to play basketball when I was in primary school, but primary school sport is pretty, pretty limited. You know, everyone's playing football. You don't really get to experience anything other than the sort of school curriculum if you like um but when you go into secondary school you know there's clubs there's after school clubs and all that sort of stuff so you can kind of be your own person a little bit more so the year seven is where basketball really flourished for me and i was able to kind of express my interest in that so i joined my first team when i was in year seven which was bomber royals um big up bomber hell yeah big up yeah (laughs) and then uh played for quite a few different teams throughout the years uh, a couple of national league teams and sorts of stuff like that um so that was my kind of school school life was playing basketball and in terms of fitness i know quite a few of my friends and stuff got involved with multiple different sports at the same time whereas although i was very sporty i kind of put myself all in to, to basketball i didn't really do anything else other than pe and stuff like that um so basketball was my like one thing it did mean i was then very kind of fit if you like from a young age i was playing a lot of a lot of basketball I was training a lot from the ages of 10 um, I think at peak by the time I was sort of leaving school year 11 and then going into college I was training something like 20 hours a week oh. um, so it was pretty pretty mad oh, on top of school as well yeah 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 so that was that was fun but uh, you know as I hope a lot of the listeners have experienced if you find something you're passionate about or motivated for it doesn't feel like you're putting in that much effort necessarily so even though I was training a hell of a lot it didn't really feel like a slog you know I didn't feel like I was dragging myself to train it just felt natural to do so um, then went to college so from school I was able to get a scholarship for basketball um, and I went to a college in Gosport called St Vincent um, under a head coach called Lee Ryan um, who was in the workings of but now is um, coaching for National League women um, BBL uh, which is the highest highest league in the country wow. and he's done some pretty incredible things since I've known him um, even when I knew him to be fair but since he's, he's progressed very well so I was there for two years under his um, careful eye uh, I trained trained a lot in, in college um, even more so than school did a lot of sort of one-to-one based training at that point so that's where I start to experience the more one-to-one side of training um, both from basketball and also the gym. So that was the first time I stepped into the gym actually during college and had a personal trainer as part of the scholarship program I was on. So I got to experience not only what a gym could provide um, in terms of my performance and things like that, but also how kind of useful it was to receive one-to-one coaching and have things that were personalized for me 
and what I needed for my sport and for me to be better at what I wanted. Um, so that was a great experience and um, one that even now, you know, over 10 years later, really, I value. It's probably one of the best experiences I've had in my life. It's those two years of college. Um, shortly after my second year of college, the UK went into its, its recession and financial crisis of sorts. So the scholarship program at that particular college actually got cut um, to make savings and stuff like that. So Lee Ryan, my head coach at the time, um, being obviously as good of a head coach as he was um, and progressing as much as he was, he was like, right, well, I've got to go. Like, I can't stay here. There's no opportunity for me here, so I need to leave. Um, and he left for a college um, in St. Albans, which is in Hertfordshire, um, called, bah, 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 testing my memory now. Can't remember, can't remember on that one. <laughs> um, I was, and I can't remember because I did follow him. So after a summer of kind of humming and ahhing whether I wanted to go that far, um, I did follow him and I went to that college. Unfortunately, one thing led to another and I was only there for about a month, six weeks, um, and I had to leave down to finances. So due to money, I couldn't afford to be up there anymore. Um, and I couldn't go back one step, I couldn't go back to Gosport because they cut the program. So I had to make two steps back and come back to Bognor. So at that point, being just before my 19th birthday, literally two months before I was 19, um, basketball being a very competitive sport and one that you have to get at a young age, that pretty much was then the end for me in relation to basketball. Um, I tried a couple of times around that era to pick it back up and play around with local clubs and stuff like that, but I found it incre incredibly difficult to play then at just a purely recreational and fun, if you like, level when for many years leading up to that it had been more than just for fun it had been about you know trying to take this as far as I possibly could so I found it very very difficult to play it recreationally um, and it actually led me to not play it at all. Um, I suppose that must have been quite hard for you um, yeah, I was in a similar situation to yourself where I left college went on to what I thought was going to be the next step to mm. then have to take you know back in reverse it's yeah. quite similar to yourself um, yeah. How, how did that kind of make you feel at the time, you know, when you had to come back to almost basics? Well, yeah, I think there was multiple things going on there. Like, to come back home, you know, I'd lived I'd lived independently for the last two plus years. I'd lived in my own place. I'd lived with friends. So there was that aspect of the fact I was now moving back in with my mum. Now, of course, I was 18, 19, so I'm still a young guy, but to have lived independently for over two years to then move back home, that was a bit of a kick in the teeth, you know? Um, then there was the whole basketball side you've committed well from the age of 10 up to just before 19 so nine years of your life you've kind of committed fully into something to then have it taken away not from your own decision but someone else's effectively yeah. so that was pretty pretty hard pretty painful um, and then to come back to an area or, or, you know Bogner um, that I didn't see I didn't see uh, prospecting I didn't see a way forwards you know what I mean I did see it as a huge step back um, and it took me many months really to kind of think and grab hold of myself and think, right, you know, what am I going to do with myself? Mm -hmm. I, can't, I can't sit here and just wallow and, and do nothing. Um, and there was a few more kicks along, along the way. I, I tried to complete my education. So, you know, one of the things I had to consider was because I come back sort of at the start of a educational year, um, I needed to finish my education, I needed to finish my college education. So I went to both um, the Regis School, based in Bognor, and I went to Tri College, based in John, funny enough, um, <laughs> to see if I could continue my, my education. Um, and both educational facilities basically turned around after some time and said they couldn't because they couldn't tie what I'd done so far with what they were doing. The mm -hmm. syllabus just didn't tie up. So <laughs> not only did I come back to, okay, basketball's done, I've moved back home after two and a half years of being independent. I now don't have a college education either. Um, so it, it was it was a tough time, and it was a really a time where I had to, you know, as hippie as it sounds, I had to dig deep and kind of look inside myself and think, right, what the hell am I going to do now? You know, mm. um, and ultimately, actually, that is what led me into the the gym environment because, on reflection and thinking about what do I want to do with myself now, I thought about the experiences I had had. And I thought about going into things like basketball coaching, um, but one of the things that really inspired me and, and, and kind of drove me to make the step was thinking about the experiences I've had in the gym, had a one-to-one -one coach, and, and both in basketball but also in the gym, and I really liked that. I really liked that environment. So 
Um, I found a few things online in regards to becoming a personal trainer and all this sort of stuff. And I thought, yeah, this, this sounds really cool. I'd love to be able to train athletes and other like-minded people. So I kind of pursued that. Um, ended up getting myself onto a, onto a course with YMCA Fit. Um, that was sort of midway through um, so the year I was 19. I can't think of a year off the top of my head, but <laughs> however long ago that was, 2012, was it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, left school in 2019. Uh, 2009, sorry. Left school in 2009, left school, so it was college for two years, 2011. So yeah, 2012 was when I did my course. It was halfway 2012 I did it. Um, and that took me uh, three months in total. Um, did that. I then... You know, so that got me into okay, cool. So this is the next, this is the next thing, this is the next step for me. Um, and what was what was very good um, was I was able to take all that kind of motivation and fire for what was to now what is. Um, so it was basketball, and I wanted to get as far as I possibly could. And then that quickly transitioned into okay, my career from my gym things like that. Um, so that went in my favour in that respect. I was very motivated coming out of the PT course. Um, for anyone that's listening, thinking about becoming a personal trainer or is a personal trainer, something like that, you have probably experienced or seen a lot of course providers. Uh, there are hundreds of them nowadays. It wasn't that complicated when I did it. Um, no, and a lot of the course content is not great. Like it's it's not of great quality. Very 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 basic. Yeah, exactly. I I, I went in it, into it quite naive in the fact that much like many probably people do is that right I'm going to do this course I'm going to be able to come away from this course and I'm in a career day one bang like I can charge 20, 25, 30 pounds plus an hour I'm set you know what I mean um, it really isn't that that is, that's not a personal training course mm. if anything I've come to realise shortly after I did the course and now you know to present day effectively it is a piece of paper that's going to get you through the door of a gym um, beyond that it's up to you to really stand out and make yourself who you are I always speak to other coaches and people who are looking to become coaches that it's much like doing your driving test. You know, you do the lessons to do your test, you do the test and you have to do it to a T, you know, 12, uh, 10 and two and stuff like that on the steering wheel. Um, but in reality, when you do pass the test and now you've got your, your license, that's when really you begin to learn the how to drive. It round the corner. Yeah, you know, drifting a few roundabouts and stuff like that. <laughs> going around um, the corner in third. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, none of oh this. God, a bit of going on? Approaching a roundabout in first gear is crap. Yeah, you don't, you're not going to be doing that. So, yeah, personal training and, and the fitness industry is very similar. Um, anyway, off tangent there a little bit. <laughs> personal trainers out there or perspective, take note. That's quite interesting though. Uh, I, I can draw a lot of parallels with you to your, um, I didn't know that part to your kind of, your life spectrum mm. because I literally 2011 was when I applied for uni I went had an awful time mm. because the course was not up to scratch and yeah. I was like I'm not getting in debt for this mm. and I was like right I'll go back home went back to college for a year and I was like well I guess I'm here mm. and then it was like well now what you've had a year where you've just kind of you know done stuff but yeah. um yeah, it's quite interesting because that was the year that I thought about doing personal training for the first time as well. And okay. it was actually my manager at the time. I was working in a restaurant and they were like, um, they'd previously been in the Navy as a chef. And I listened to them stupidly and he said to me, oh, you don't do PT. And I was like, it's a waste of time. Mm. Waste of time. Not worth it. It's not a real career. And I was mm. like, oh, okay. Mm, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I suppose at that, that age, yeah, young and impressionable. Yeah. And you you kind of follow, follow what people say and stuff like that. Mm. I think... Uh, you know, one thing that I've I've personally experienced, and then you know, when I've spoken to people, say even your story you've just said then, and I've had many people that I've kind of rekindled with, if you like, since being in the gym. You know, a lot of people uh, are still within the Bogner area and Chichester and stuff. So yeah, the gym. Together, so. Yeah, <laughs> and it's interesting hearing other people's stories of either they were you know heavily in sport or something like yourself, like dance and, and, and performing arts and things like that. And I've spoken to many, many people and inevitably, you know, it has come crashing down at some point. They either haven't got to where they wanted to get to or money came in the way or basically something. And it's very interesting from the people I've spoken to and the path that then has been created following that. And there seems to be pretty much one of two paths that people will take because at the end of the day, if you're that way inclined, if you're that motivated, that driven, and you've got that kind of internal at the end of the day it's addictive personality that, that's what it is like 
if you're going to get really really far in something you have to have an addictive personality to to get there um now yeah as a, as a kid you put that into sport hopefully um but when that sport gets taken away from you that addictive personality doesn't go that's still there and i've spoken to many many people where that addictive personality has taken them into good things i'd like to think i'm one of them but i've also spoken to many people where it's taken them into bad things um you know drink drugs alcohol you know all sorts of stuff like that and you know i, I really feel for those people because if I hadn't had the kind of insight myself of being like, right, cool, what am I gonna do with myself now? It could have easily gone that way, you know? Because like I say, you can't take away that addictive personality that is there. That's part of your personality that's ingrained within you. Um, so I think it's, it's interesting when you start to talk to more people, you start to hear this very similar story. Mm. But, you know, it's different, different aspects, dance, basketball, football, whatever, but you see this same kind of fork in the road and some people go good some people go bad you know mm. i think i think sometimes people that have done sport though especially at a high level mm. i think it does become very addictive in other other parts of their life though don't mm. they you know not necessarily you know sometimes people aren't necessarily born with it but because mm. they play such high level sport mm. they end up being like oh sh like, like exactly like you yeah. know God, like, what am I meant to do now? Like, I've played at this level, I've been so addicted yeah. and so dedicated to doing this for, for so long that I need to find something that's going to satisfy that same feeling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it's nature versus nurture, right? Like, are you born with that addictive personality or has that addictive personality been born from the activity? So, mm -hmm. like, was I, at the age of 10, did I have an addictive personality or was my drive, focus, my motivation to play a sport I really enjoyed, did that then breed the addictive personality? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Who knows? Um, what was it in the first place that got you into basketball? Like, I know obviously you said that you, you were 10, and obviously yeah. when you went into secondary school, you then knew there were clubs and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. What were, did you know? Have you known since you were really young that you wanted to play basketball? Or was there something that you saw? Or was there someone that's like your idol that you look yeah. up to that played basketball? Or? To be honest, it's, it's, it's interesting, really, because like there is nothing, even back then, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint a specific thing that made me want to play basketball. It's not like I had any friends that did it. It's mm. not like one of my parents did it or anything like that. So I honestly could not tell you where the motivation to want to do it came from. Yeah, who doesn't want to be Michael Jordan playing with Bugs Bunny? But um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know what specifically spurred it on. Um, whether it's I saw it one day and just you know I saw maybe someone in the park playing it and thought yeah I want to give that a go and then just enjoyed it I don't know but to be honest you know like especially in school um, it is tough because with sports specifically in this country football is the thing 100%, like if yeah. you're a, if you're a guy and I don't mean this to come across as sexist in any way but if you're a guy and you don't play football you're pretty much already bottom rung you yeah, know what yeah. I mean like you're bottom tier of school hierarchy um so it is, it's quite an interesting, well, it's an interesting area of school, obviously, um, but to have, to have picked a sport that pretty much is very low in the UK, really, like not many people are doing it, um, but to want to devote so much time and energy, I, I honestly couldn't tell you what initially spurred that on, but once I was in, that was it. Like, mm. I was, you know, I was hooked kind of thing. Um, my teeth were well and, well and truly sunk into the sport. Um, and I really value the, I really value that and the time I had, both from an experience perspective, but I can see where some of those characteristic, characteristics sorry, have then passed into then a career environment opposed to just a school slash sports environment. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's quite interesting when you, when you track back to school as well, it's very much a cultural English thing. Like you say, obviously football, accepted by everyone, yeah. that's fine, you're allowed to be good at that, you're allowed to be you know, really talented, mm. but... I know you've uh, experienced this as well, but if you're talented at something else, whether you're academically intelligent mm. or whether you're very sporty or like in the in the arts, people will pick on you mm. because you're good at it. Yeah. And you're told not to show off, yeah. you know, dumb yourself down, all the, that type of attitude. And it's very much only a UK kind of cultural thing. Mm. Um, I was chatting with a friend who's a, who is a teacher and he was literally saying this just the other day. Whereas if you look somewhere like the, the United States or somewhere like that, if yeah, you're really good at something, it. you know, you're at the top, but also your your you know, academia is also rated yeah. very highly, so mm. you've got to perform well in the other stuff as well as your mm. sport. Um, I know that's something you said you kind of experienced. Yeah, I think that was that was the kind of 
parallel really with when you went when I went from school to college and then I did you know when I went to Hopture even though I was there for six weeks is the vast vast difference between those three kind of pit stops so school to college and then college to my second college is yeah as you rightfully said there you know when you're in school you if you if <laughs> if you shine in anything that isn't the norm so like we said there football or drinking at the weekend or whatever if you're not good at either of those things and you're good at something else then you better stay quiet about it because yeah, yeah you will be mm. you will be picked on for that um yeah I, again i know many people have been in that myself included pretty much the entire year 11 that's how it was but at that point i was you know i was well and truly committed to my sport i knew pretty much about halfway through year 11 i was getting my scholarship so it was kind of like didn't matter at that point you know, and then when you go to college, and then there's it, it's completely, completely the other way around. It's like you were respected for being that person. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and then even more so, absolutely incredible experience. I was there for six weeks, but to go to um, Hertfordshire, where then it was referred to as an Ace Academy, which basically is um, awarded for sporting excellence. Um, incredible incredible college obviously a lot of money within that environment being in Hertfordshire is quite a well-off area but the whole sort of campus the whole timetable the the teaching staff everything it's kind of like if you were in a sports team at that college it's because you were good mm -hmm. and therefore you were catered for like you were looked after mm -hmm. you know what I mean I'm not talking silver spoon special treatment but the class timetable was built off of your training schedule you know what I mean it was it was completely parallel universe almost like you were um you know even more respected in that environment you know you're part of this team like damn you you know you're something you're someone and you, you reference there in America it's that times 100 you know if you're if you're on a sports team in a, in America particularly things like American football basketball even athletics things like that you are you know you're one of the the elite if you like you know what I mean um and that's why they have elite level athletes because they're treated like I think in Britain, I don't think it is celebrated. I, I personally, I don't no. think that that sport, exercise, or any any of that is is really promoted over in this country. You know, no. okay, maybe football is is fairly, but that's because there's so many clubs that are around. You know, big clubs. Um, but personally, for me, I don't feel like there's there's a lot of like drive for people to become successful at different sports no. if, you know if you look over in, in in america you if you're good at something or they see potential in what you're doing yeah. you know they'll be like cool we're going to take you on scholarship well, yeah, even know? even if you look at it from a from a strength conditioning standpoint so you know we're all now in an environment of the gym where it is it's, it's strength conditioning weight loss and things like that you think those components of um, an athlete's journey or a, a sportsman or sportswoman's journey isn't until they're kind of like 18 plus yeah if you look at we'll use in America as reference if you look at America they're in the gym from 14 maybe younger you know what I mean they're taking their sport seriously like if you want to progress if you want to be elite at this sport we're going to start you mm. know we're going to start now you want to be good when you're 18 we're going to start when you're 14 whereas here in this country we seem to understand that you have to get sport early you know, with basketball, you have to get it by the time you're 18, 19. But mm. there just doesn't seem to be the framework or the structure that's going to allow us to be decent enough to, to compete against other countries. Um, so, and then, like you say, then when you look at the school system, yeah, you've got PE and stuff like that. But we all know we have to do is hand a letter saying, I can't do PE today and you're going to get out of it. Mm. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's <laughs> you know, we've all done it. We've all been there. Um, I never, I never did that. No, oh, all right, all right. no, no, no. I put my hand up. I put my hand up. I never did that. I never, ever did that. That was probably the only, the only lesson in my day that I was like, nah. I'm That's why you don't have to worry about being bullied. Well, Mackley wasn't like leaving his shorts at home like, please take it. No, I'm ill today. I can't do it. I made sure I had both socks, so I didn't have to go. Yeah. But you did. <laughs> But yeah, so it's, it's, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that you can kind of pick out um, in regards to school system, sports, and how how they're developed with within school, within college, and stuff like that. But I'm I'm, I'm very thankful for those experiences I've had. I think, as I said already, I think they um, they translated very well then to creating kind of personality traits that have helped me where I am today. You know, um, so I got my personal training course. So I actually uh, personal course qualification sorry personal training qualification um and the first gym i actually worked in 
was the gym that I was receiving personal training at when I had my scholarship. Um, I saw that they were looking for um, a personal trainer and I thought, wow, I know that environment. I know some of the people there, so I thought, perfect, I'll go there. Um, and again, very, very, uh, very eye-opening. Again, for the personal trainers or prospective personal trainers listening, uh, I went into an environment which was a rental. Um, so I paid a rent to be there. Uh, a very big rent, um, or what I consider a very big rent, it was £800 per month to be there. And um, the the thing was, is, is again, I'm very, very glad I had that experience. I was there for eight months in total, stressful as hell, trying to get £800 before anything, uh, before you even made a penny. But it, it threw me into the world of personal training for what it is, or what it was, it pretty much is still that now, but for what it was enabled me to gain a lot of experience of how I would do it personally better. So then coming into the environment of Dream Fitness, when given that opportunity to, to make a better environment, um, I was able to use all that experience. Um, but personal trainers, perspective or current, it's, it's definitely not as easy as just stepping into a gym saying, yeah, here's my level three certificate, I charge 35 pound now, let's go. That's not the business at all. The level three certificate is merely, it gets you through the front door, it gets you past the interview stage and into the job. Um, and even that, barely. I mean, most gyms don't even really care on your qualification standpoint. The level three is merely so that they're insured. Um, it, you're more often gonna be a cash cow for them, uh, which is what I experienced, obviously paying 800 pounds per month. They didn't care on my personal development. They didn't care for my personal business growth. It was merely, can I afford to pay 800 pounds per month? Which I did for eight months and then realized, actually, I could do better elsewhere. Um, so yeah. Did you did you make time. any money during that time? Or were you were you like losing money at the time? Yeah. Eight hundred pounds is a is a, is a lot. Yeah, I mean, especially as you're first starting as mm. well. Like, mm. think you're first starting. You're not going to be earning like you haven't got any clients, let alone being able to earn eight hundred. I don't think I earned eight hundred pounds in my first job actually working for the money. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's what I mean. Like the the experience of it, although negatives, although a lot of stress, having financial strain, you know, being first year PT, never, technically never worked at a proper job in my life. You know, to go into that sort of cutthroat environment was obviously incredibly stressful. But taking the positives from it, it did wake you up in the morning, you know what I mean? It did make you kind of get up, get to the gym as early as you could, stay there till as late as you could, get home, start again the next day. Mm. You know, I'd work 60, 70, 80 hour weeks just to pick up clients, you know what I mean? And I think again, you know, Parallel that to now, you know, in the environment I'm in, and I work with the coaches I work with, and you guys, and mm. having the coaches that have been, come and gone, and and you look at other coaches around in other gyms and other gym environments, and they're they're kind of expecting to just be able to walk in, work a couple of hours a day or a couple of hours a week even, and, and pick up a client base. Given the times with COVID and stuff, everyone thinks they can now step online and do the same thing. Mm. You know, step online, say I'm a, a level three personal trainer. I'm an expert in nutrition because I've done a 50 quid nutrition course and uh, I'm gonna sell sell nutrition plans or, or exercise plans because of it. Um, because I'm a good looking guy or girl and, and that's what's gonna sell. It's, it's, it's much bigger than that. If you want to sustain that is, if, if you want a sustainable business that's gonna be day in, day out, month in, month out for years, you need much, much more than Ride or die. <laughs> we've spoken about that, haven't we? <laughs> we? We have spoken about the ride or die. You know, it's that's why there is such a massive turnover of people, one hundred percent personal trainers, because they they don't. I don't know, I'm going to sound like a dick when I say this now, but they don't want to work for it. You know, they no. they, they they expect that they're going to do these hours. They but earn thirty pound an hour. They're going to do make twenty hours a week. Cool, done. That's fine. I think that's the, there's there's two there's two viewpoints on that and. One viewpoint is that's that's the person's fault. So that's the individual's fault that they believe, they're naive enough to believe that they're gonna step in day one and charge 35 pound now. But to be honest with you, I was that person. Mm -hmm. You know, I was that person. I think we could all say we were that person for at least a period of time. Oh yeah, 100%. So you could blame the individual and there is rightful some blame there in, in being naive. But also it's the, it's the educational standpoint. Like the provider of the qualification should take a level of responsibility to tell the people how it actually is in the real world and mm. not almost what I refer to as brainwash them into believing that you're gonna get this certificate, you're gonna walk out this door and you're gonna charge 35 pound an hour, no problems. And you know why you're gonna do it? Because you got this shiny certificate. It's absolute rubbish. 
absolute rubbish. So I think yeah, you can you can blame the person a little bit, yes, and you can and you can also blame the the educational provider um, because they're they're kind of falsifying the the, the dream that's in the dream. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and as you rightly said, there was like that's what creates the high turnover because people literally do believe they're going to step in year one, make forty grand a year. I'm going to work ten hours a week. I make forty grand a year, no dramas. I'm gonna do it because you know I'm a pro. You're not. You're no one. You're nothing. I don't mean that in a harsh way, but you're not. No. You're not. Yeah, um, it's, it's kind of um, why. Why should someone trust you to give you? Like, if you went to the salon mm. and you're starting out with a trainee, most people are like, oh, "Excuse me, mm. Sandra, I don't want a trainee." You know, because they don't want yeah. someone that's new doing their hair when they can have their 10 years experience favourite yeah. or if you do go to a trainee you're going to pay 20 quid instead of 80 quid yeah, exactly. so you know exactly what you're buying personal training you're told don't matter you go in day one you've just put your certificate printed out the printer you're still 35 pound an hour to a vet who's been there for 10 years who's probably charging maybe even less mm-hmm. but charging around the same amount like there is no um, there's no quality control in that respect um, and, but I think there's there's Two, two parties to blame. There is the individual. Um, one of my big, 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 big hates is self-proclaimed experts. Um, they step out of a qualification and now consider themselves an expert in that field. Um, you're not. Um, and then also the educational the educational providers um, kind of falsifying that dream. And say, there's probably the dream. another dimension to that as well in, in that when you work a uh, quote-unquote normal job, mm-hmm. Nine to five set hours, or yeah, you know, rotofine. Yeah. You know, like me, me, nineteen year old me in my bar work. Mm. When I, when my time run over, nine o'clock came. That was it. Apron off, out the door. See you later. Yeah. Like that was it. The yeah, only time yeah, I yeah. might stay a little bit extra was to close up or open. Yeah. So there was no, no kind of. Well, it's shifts, eight, isn't it? Yeah, there's yeah. no yeah. extra shift. time required. Yeah. Whereas, like you say, it's um, there's a lot more that goes in behind the scenes mm. on personal training to make you successful. Yeah, I think again, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very good point in the fact of the, the difference between employment and self-employment. Personal training is yes, a self-employed yeah. role. You are running your own business. You dictate when you work, when you start, when you finish, and how much you earn. That is uh, a negative as much as it is a positive. Mm-hmm. It can be a very, very good thing. If you want to earn five grand, cool, go earn five grand. But you better put the work in, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um and uh, you know you you've got to have that organisation. You've got to you've got you've got to run. You've got to write your own rotor. Mm. You know you don't have a boss who's going to call you up when you're five minutes late and say where the f are you. Mm. You have to be that person to yourself. You have to have that internally. And again, I think you know going back to my story, um, that's where it kind of helped. You know, no one was dragging me out of bed and saying go to basketball practice for the third time today. No one was doing that. You know what I mean? That was just me. That was I wanted to do it, so I did it. So you put that into a, a career and self-employment made sense because I had that sort of internal voice, if you like. Mm. Um, you know, now I'm in, a, a, in a, a very, very good position where I have a balance of both. So I, I am employed by Dream Fitness. I also run my self-employed business as a CrossFit coach and personal trainer. Um, so I'm able to kind of cater for, to both ends. Um, but even in my employed work, as well, both of you guys know, is we were able to run the business as if it were our own. So yeah, we're employed and yeah, we have shifts and we got pay slips and all that sort of stuff that comes with, with employment. But in reality, we're still left and trusted to go do your thing, go run this business, make sure you're doing it well, make some money or whatever, mm-hmm. um, but go do your thing. So, you know, for me personally, it is a, it's a perfect working environment where both my employment and my self-employment allows me to run my business and run the business uh, uh, you know and yeah just do my thing sort of thing you know what I mean the freedom is, is amazing isn't it you know the freedom for what we get and mm. the freedom of, of you know being self-employed is that you can do anything you know you can create whatever you want to create as yeah. long as you're putting that work and I think sometimes going back to what we were talking about earlier you know sometimes people uh, on the internet or maybe they the, the description on the online course mm. says that they're gonna you know they're selling this dream of them being able to earn this amount of money. It's literally really being really, able, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah they, exactly. They, like they are selling that dream, man. Yeah. And unfortunately, or shall we say, fortunately, mm. you have to be the the person that's in charge of that dream. You can't, yeah, you can't have. I literally remember when I so LA Fitness in Fairham doesn't exist anymore, so I can say it. 
is where I did my first personal training job. Uh, and that was the gym that I was part of when I had my scholarship and blah, blah, blah. Now, I remember going through the interview process of that job and they had two options. They referred to it as Platinum PT or I don't even remember the other option. That's how well they sold it. Platinum PT or this other, other option, but you don't need to worry about that. Now, Platinum PT was you go in, you pay a rent, you don't devote any time to the gym in terms of shifts or anything like that. All the time is yours. All the time to build your business. You're not committing to anything, you just go and do your business. Great, that's freaking fantastic. Or you've got this kind of, oh yeah, but there is this other option, you know, and you'd commit, I think back then, I think it was 15 hours a week, don't quote me on it, it was roughly like that, 15 hours a week where you'd, you'd work for the gym, you'd work behind reception, um, you'd be a bit of a gym instructor, you'd, you know, stuff like that. You wouldn't sign anyone up because they had membership sales team, but you'd work behind reception, you'd clean some stuff, a bit like that. Um, but it was very, very downplayed. Like it was like, yeah, you know, if, if you want to do that, you could, but this, but that, you know. And, uh, you know, when I reflect back on that, I think, well done, well done. Because the person who sat there in front of me was a personal trainer themselves um, and was selling me this dream of, you know, paying a rent and you're going to be able to do this and you have all your time and blah, 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 blah. And being a young, motivated, you know, driven, ambitious to the balls type character, I was like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm definitely all for that. Platinum PT, let's get it going, you know what I mean? Um, and I don't regret that decision, uh, you know, even to this day, I don't regret that. Um, but of course, it came with its stresses because mm -hmm. I signed myself up to a, a big liability from day one. Um, on reflection, I would, you know, with that experience and with that knowledge, I would recommend to people to not do that. Uh, you may be driven, you may be ambitious, you may be fiery as hell, maybe 20 times more than I was because, you know, I wasn't that great, but you may be much, much more motivated. I would recommend you get yourself in. Get yourself in the door, start to, you know, understand the workings of the gym environment, what works, what doesn't, how you're going to build a business, what, you know, what's not successful, what is. Um, put ego out, you know, let ego, you know, keep it outside, as they say. Um, and, uh, you know, build yourself up from there. Don't come in thinking you're Billy Big Bollocks with, you know, massive ego and you're an expert um, because you're not. And uh, I think if you can do that from day one um, and not be naive, you're going to be much more successful and much more sustainably successful mm. rather than... you do uh, encounter an ego death, which happens quite a lot throughout yeah. your time in the gym, whether you're a PT or not. Yeah. You can take it a little bit more on the chin and not feel so heartbroken about the fact you might be wrong sometimes. Well, you know, things change, yeah, <laughs> which is life. Yeah, the fitness industry, oh my God, like every, every, every month there's something new, right? Like nutrition evolves all the time exercise evolves all the time if you cannot adapt or be open-minded and this doesn't even count as a coach yeah if you're just a gym goer if you're just going to the gym and you're in your routine you're trying to achieve xyz or you are a coach trying to achieve xyz for other people if you cannot keep yourself open to new ideas or new training systems or the training system you're currently doing is actually now outdated and it's not very good for you you are going to crash and burn is that's the bottom line um both from a business perspective and also an individual perspective you have to have the ability to adapt leave your ego at the door <laughs> and yeah sometimes you're going to get a slap on the chair and you're going to feel like a bit of an idiot but if you can't take that again you're going to find it really really difficult um in this in this industry as a, as a business owner but also as an individual just a gym goer you know what i mean we, we have to have the ability to to accept new things um you know even myself so uh, as the majority of people know, I'm very, very heavily involved with CrossFit in respect of that is now my devotion. You know, before it was basketball, then it was just gym in general, and now it is CrossFit. Yeah, I was going to ask you actually, when, because obviously you, I was hunting back on the gym's Facebook uh -huh. um, last week. Oh, there's some fun stuff on there. <laughs> 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 Don't was, look too far. It was around that 2014, 2015 time when the CrossFit selfies started coming up of yourself mm -hmm. with clients and friends and things like that yep. in the gym. I think mm -hmm. Ben's even in there. For yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben's in there um, too. Yeah. So yeah, I was going to say to you, know, when did that sort of start to, to kind of trickle in? Because I guess the CrossFit movement itself and if you're not a CrossFit fan, you know, maybe tune out now because this could go on for a while. Disclaimer. But, so, obviously the CrossFit movement started probably yeah. 2012, wasn't it, roughly, I'd say? That's when the kind of backyard, yeah. garage, 
you know, CrossFit yeah, gym. Yeah, I think the very such creep first out. games. Oh. I think that was 2012 or 13, wasn't it? Was it was around that sort of time. Mm. Maybe a couple of years before, because obviously it started very small. Yeah. It did start very small. It was literally in a barn um, mm. in California. And, um, if you, you haven't know, watched Fittest on Earth. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> you know, they, they, I don't know how they obviously did it in terms of the invitation process, because obviously they had quite a few people turn up. Mm. So how they got it out there, I, I don't know. I'm not that, um, not that clever on CrossFit. But, um, they, you know, they, yeah, that's it. I'm not real. Um, so they obviously did that. And it, it, yeah, it just obviously just blew up, blew up from there. Um, for me, it, yeah, interesting one. I started to dabble actually with CrossFit style of training uh, when I was at LA Fitness actually, just from a, a fitness perspective. So I didn't follow it. I uh, went on CrossFit.com, which back then was archaic. It was literally um, <laughs> just a homepage and it was just an endless scroll of workouts. So basically mm. you'd scroll this homepage and it'd just be workout, 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 workout. It, pretty much nothing else than that. So I used to use it just as inspiration for, for workouts for myself, you know, at that point, being a young guy, I went through the classic bulk and cut and all that crap. And uh, through cutting phases, I would then use Metcon type workouts and metabolic conditioning um, type workouts for my, for my training. Um, so that's kind of when I started to play with it, but on a very, very, you know, I didn't even really truly understand what CrossFit was, very recreational. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. this looks this looks like a fun workout with kettlebell swings and pull ups and all this sort of crazy stuff, you know. So that's when I started playing around with it. When I came into Dream Fitness, so twenty thirteen is when we opened. I was still kind of following the classic bodybuilding routine, if you like, you know, back one day, chest another, legs, you know, as all people seem to start their gym journey with. Um, I then got into more strength side of training with with Gary, so we went into sort of more powerlifting with the squat bench and deadlift, um, which was cool, got very strong, which was awesome. Um, then fell kind of back into this sort of body splits. And I remember spending a few years where I was kind of just up and down, I was playing around with a few different things. I couldn't really find my footing um, and find where I really wanted to be. Now, when did I start crossing? Yeah, I mean, maybe 2015, maybe I kind of found myself again, experimenting with those little elements, but not fully committing. Mm. Um, so it wasn't until we're 2020 now it wasn't until about 2017 I believe where I was kind of like yeah this is what I want to do now mm -hmm. like, and that's where I full time trained in CrossFit yeah. um, and have been have been doing so ever since um, yeah 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 so I, I believe it was around around 2017 something like that I went into yeah went into full time full time CrossFit um, yeah, been doing it ever since. And personally, you know, I know this is a biased view. I'm doing it, blah blah. I personally wouldn't train any other way at this moment in time, anyway. You know, mm -hmm. something else comes along, perhaps. But I, I think for me, the motivation behind doing CrossFit one obviously is very, very challenging. So that kind of caters for for the for the wanting to challenge myself. Um, but also it's the variety, mm -hmm. um, the aspect of being able to work on many different elements of fitness and not. Um, not then lacking in an element of fitness. Mm. You know, I can become strong, which is great. I like being strong, but I can also walk upstairs without getting out of breath. You know what I mean? I can also um, do some pretty cool gymnastic-based stuff, you know, so things that are going to make people think, wow, what the hell, that looks so cool. But I can kind of cater for all these different aspects and not feel like I'm missing out on anything necessarily. Mm. Um, and I think that's why it took me so long to find. It's like I really like strength, but it, it didn't kind of feed the hunger enough. Um, until I landed on CrossFit and then it's kind of like, all right, cool, now I'm getting everything, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? I guess, like you say, it doesn't feed that kind of, um, the adrenaline junkie inside of you that's yeah. from your from your basketball experience. I can imagine, you know, you get into the final minutes of a game that's competitive, you know, you're trying mm -hmm. to win and you've got to pull out all the stops yeah. even if you feel, you know, you're tired and you feel like crap and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you've still got to perform for your team because otherwise you're not going to win. Yeah. And then when you probably do win, same as when you kind of you complete a, an exercise to gain mm. time cap or, or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. It hits that same kind of serotonin release where you're like, yes, yeah, I've done it. Yeah, 100%. It, it, is, it is an achievement. You know, you finish, you know, every day of training effectively is an achievement. You know <laughs> what I mean? When you've when you finished a real tough Metcon and you look at it on paper, like, don't get me wrong, I know some people um, look at what I do and like, oh my God, that's crazy, I could never do that or whatever. 
but you know even myself I'm thinking that sometimes I'm looking at my training I'm like there's literally no way I'm going to be able to do that and then I do it and I'm like okay maybe I was wrong you know it's that happens quite often mm. um, you know one of my yeah, yeah. the comp last week you know if you asked me could I do 15 bar muscle ups with my blood dripping everywhere I would have been like no hell no I don't want to do that but I did it I'd <laughs> just like to say I've hidden that post from my timeline because yeah. it kept coming back and I was like oh, every yeah. time gapping. if you're squeamish yeah don't look at my timeline <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah it's, it's things like that and I think it's that challenge that you're overcoming something that you maybe think wasn't possible beforehand um and this is where, yeah, if, if you're a real anti-CrossFit, you probably want to turn off right now. Um, but that's where it really, really upsets me, where people have such a view on CrossFit, such a negative view on CrossFit, whether it be, I mean, there's many different reasons I, I muster up as to why I think people have negative opinions, such as MB. But um, I think, one, it's a, it's a shame, because I think everyone could benefit from an element of, now, you don't have to follow it through and through, you know, you don't have to be a full-time CrossFit or Matt Fraser type guy, but you can take elements off it, I think everyone can, um, for their own benefit. Um, but also, is the other other aspect in where they think they need to be that type, like they think they need to be a full-time CrossFit athlete, or, or an athlete for that matter. Mm-hmm. People believe they have to be kind of super special, have been in sport for their entire life to, to do it. Um, and I think that it boils down to comparison. We're always comparing ourselves to others, and we're always looking at others and what they are doing or not doing. And then we're putting ourselves down, you know, that's, that's what human, human nature is. Um, whereas in reality, you know, CrossFit in, in its purest form is designed for um, everyday people, mm. um, more so overcoming um, diseases, uh, things like diabetes, obesity, um, heart disease, etc., etc. It's designed for those people overcoming those diseases. It, it wasn't actually originally, and even still to this day, designed for the superhumans you've got people you've got pure human specimens that have taken it to that level and to a certain extent unfortunately that is what's publicized mm. but 90 95 percent plus of crossfit is not that it is everyday people everyday joes looking to lose 10 15 pounds or whatever um wanting to you know maybe they're pre-diabetic and they don't want to step over that line that that's is what it is um so I think, yeah, I think it's a shame we get such negative views on CrossFit um, for different things. You have people say, oh, there's such high injuries and the, you know, fake pull-ups is always a, a laughable one. Um, oh, right, yeah. <laughs> and all this kind of stuff, but... Yeah, I think that is the, the myth that you kind of have to dispel is, is the, the that, you know, like you say, it's made for athletes only um, mm. because that's what you see, you know, if you watch Fittest on Earth, hell yeah, you're going to come away yeah. and be like, holy moly, I want to be a CrossFit athlete. Yeah, of course. And then you're like, wait, I'm just working the, you know, the co-op or something like that. That can't be me. But mm. it is adaptable. Yeah, 100%. It's the same with all aspects of fitness. It's no different to any other element of fitness. As you said, because it's everything combined. Mm. So whether you enjoy the strength elements, yeah. whether you enjoy the hit elements of it, you know, Metcom, you know, whatever you want to call it, it is such a wide variety, okay? You can't do Olympic rings pull-ups, mm. not mine for not, but, you know, yeah, yeah. you can do things that would help you get there if that's your goal. Mm. So it's it's not something that's, you know, kind of... Yeah, people see that all sing and dancing, you know, like one rep max squat snatches and like say like... Mm ring muscle ups and they, they see these movements like oh, I'm never going to be able to do that so there's no point starting in the first mm. place that is such a sucky attitude to have that's like standing at the bottom of the stairs and being like yeah I'm going to be pretty tired by the time I, by the time I get to the top of that so I'm just not going to bother like what <laughs> you know what I mean uh, um, it's yeah it's such a shame and in reality I know a lot of people will argue this a lot of anti-crossfit people um, it is functional movement that's the nature of it you're building functionality in the body so that when you do get old and decrepit <laughs> um, you can still move around you can still squat effectively you can still go pick something up off the floor um, and not be down there for half an hour because you can't stand up you know it's that is the nature of it you know it has become a competitive sport which I value because I am one of those people um, and there are some superhumans doing it but in a gym environment where we have 95% plus population of people just looking to lose a few pounds, looking to gain a little bit of weight, lose weight, tone up, gain a bit of muscle, whatever, you know, the the normal normal goals that we see, all the most common goals we see, 
it's still applicable. You mm. can still do these things. Whether you do it fully, whether you do all the gymnastics and Olympic lifting and the Metcon side stuff, or you just take elements of, mm. it's applicable to all. Um, and again, you just simply have to have an open mind. Um, people get too caught up um, with what they're doing and thinking that that is the only way. Like I'm more than happy to to look at my colleagues, you know, you two guys, you got Connor doing powerlifting, Gary doing powerlifting, Shane doing his bits and pieces. Everyone's doing their own thing and I respect it 100% and fully. Um, it's a shame that some gym goers, it's kind of like if you're not doing it my way or in my sport or whatever, then you're doing it wrong. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I think that's the taboo around it, isn't it? They're, they're so used to it just doing, you know, like turn like a bulk and cut, or they're yeah. so used to doing powerlifting, or they're so used to just doing, for the sake of running, or, or whatever. Mm. They're so used to doing that, that if they look at you or, or look at what you're doing and, and they see it as like a, why would someone yeah. do it now? What's the mm. point in that, you yeah. know? You're, you're, not, you're not actually working for anything specific, you're just working on everything, you mm. know? And it's, um, it's such a, like, to, a rubbish way to look at things because, mm. you know, it's, it's probably actually better probably going to improve you know didn't you say was it you asked me to or like didn't tia to me she she used to be a swimmer did she not or something and then she started doing crossfit because she or one of the athletes one of the crossfit athletes i think uh, maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong i don't know if you guys mm. I don't know about Tia. Yeah. I know she does. Obviously, she competes in the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, she's Olympic weightlifting. Olympics, yeah. 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 I don't know if that's where she's. Or she was or like a, yeah, an Olympic a lot or something. Yeah, a lot of them. Um, that is often the case. Mm. A lot of them are normally, you know, gymnasts or um, you know, Olympic weightlifters. Um, you know, they've transitioned from an area, a, a field, and then expanded their vision yeah. by going into a, a bigger field. You know, so they were just lifting, and then they're like, wait, well, I can do this, this, this thing. And I can lift while also doing some pretty cool stuff with gymnastics and keep myself super freaking fit by doing loads of rowing and swimming and cycling and running and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, so that is quite a common story. Like someone has been within a field and then they've just expanded their, their sight on, on something else. Um, I mean, personally, for me, and this is from my own personal experience, you know, I've, I haven't specifically ran since we got locked down in March. Mm. And I've been training, been, been doing strength training, and I've been doing a little bit of CrossFit based uh, metcons and stuff. And uh, obviously, I've ran the quickest that I've ever ran. You know, I've been the, the most efficient that I've ever been at my running. And that's not from actually just specifically doing running in itself. And I think that's a perfect show and mm. perfect example of what we've just literally said. You know, it's not necessarily about just being a CrossFitter. You know, you can do whatever sport you want to do, but mm. your strength and conditioning and, and your cardiovascular-based exercise that you're, you're working on. Um, That's the thing, right? If you took the branding away from CrossFit, right? If you stopped calling it, if I stopped calling it CrossFit and, uh, and we just referred to it as strength and conditioning, more people would be accepted. Oh, 100%. And I could follow the exact same routine that I currently do. I could do exactly the same things, but if I call myself a strength and conditioning coach, more people would look at it and respect it. Sure, absolutely. Um, and that's that's a real sucky thing to think. Um, you know, people's people's kind of hazed by uh, by uh, by a name because mm. it seems to be. You know, we're we're touching way back on like the school thing. So if you're not a footballer um, or getting pissed every weekend, you're not conforming to what then is considered the norm. Then you're discredited. Now, for some reason. CrossFit and the, the field surrounding it, has, it's become the norm to discredit CrossFit and think it's crap and think it's injury yeah. prone and stuff like that. So if you follow the crowd, which is to hate on CrossFit, you are the norm and you're respected. If you um, aren't part of the norm and you do respect CrossFit, that's when you're discredited and not respected. And then, I don't know where that comes from. I don't know why that is. Um, it's so you know, weird. Whereas if everyone respects strength and conditioning, there's many, many athletes in this gym right now who are very, very conditioned and very, very strong. You know, they are following a strength conditioning program. As soon as you stamp CrossFit on it, it's like, oh, no, 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 I don't do that, you know, or whatever, whatever is going on. Um, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, we've touched on stuff just then from school, you know, is it, is it what's, is it herd mentality? Mm. Is it uh, closed-mindedness? It's all, it you know, is always social conditioning, isn't mm. it? You know, if you, are, if you are good at something or if you're, different to everybody else you're an outsider yeah. that's not right yeah yeah, yeah. you're 
you're not valued because you're not sort of doing the same things, you know. Mm. So I think, you know, touching back on, you know, uh, the kind of idea that CrossFit breeds injuries and things like that. Mm. No, bad coaching breeds injuries. Poor form breeds injuries. The sport itself isn't necessarily the problem. It's again, it's down to the the individual, the coach. Mm. You know, are you listening? Are you being taught well? Mm. And it's so it overlaps on everything. So, like say, I mean, Connor had a little bit of a dabble in CrossFit before he Mm -hmm. found his love for the strength training and the the powerlifting side of things. But his techniques in powerlifting could overlap into CrossFit and help you with your long lanky legs. You know, get a bigger lift. Or you know, here I am. I'm someone who exercises for exercise sake like I'm not doing it for any particular reason other than mm. just to make sure that I feel good about myself mm-hmm. you know fitness for fitness sake and you know I'm not striving to compete but I still take massive value in anything any feedback that you might give me on mm. technique any feedback Connor gives me or Gary gives me or yeah, whoever yeah. and you know I train in the most normal of normal yeah, yeah, of yeah, training yeah, there is yeah. but I'm still going to listen because mm. I think you know it's, it's all valuable mm. there's no no harm in kind of listening to different opportunities and yeah techniques. i think i think the 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 point in in my rambles i suppose mm. and i'm using crossfit as a a means to my rambles mm. is that in in the gym environment whether you are a working professional so you are a coach or perspective coach or you are um an athlete or looking to be an athlete um or you're just average gym goer or whatever i just refer to it as everyone as athletes everyone is an athlete if you're in the gym you're training you are an athlete um <laughs> But if you if you are any of those people, you have to remain open minded for one. The second you are closed minded, you are going to stunt your growth, your progression, your everything. All right, you're just going to stunt yourself immediately from that point, which I would then argue is there any point. So you have to be open minded. You, I suppose it's it's is the same as being open minded, but you can't be stubborn. You have to allow yourself to accept a change or that you're wrong sometimes. Or you know, <laughs> only sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, We've all got egos to feed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you, you have to be, you have to be there. You have to have a, a level of, of being able to to accept, accept difference, accept change, accept someone's going to do something a little bit differently or whatever. You know what I mean? You have to. I suppose that is open mindedness, really, isn't it? Yeah. Stubbornness or lack of stubbornness and open mindedness, exactly the same thing. Um, and you know, I dare anyone who's listening to this. To try something different. Now I'm going to talk about CrossFit because that's who I am. But I don't necessarily have to be CrossFit. It could be anything. You know, go and if you're used to running on a treadmill, go run outside, or run on the curve runner. Go run on the curve runner. No one goddamn uses it. Um, <laughs> run on the curve runner. You know, if you're used to doing uh, bodybuilding splits, back day, chest day, arm day. I tell you what, right now I guarantee you, I don't care who you are, you are not training optimally. Throwing it out there, mic drop. Um, not literally, it's expensive. Um, yeah, please don't. <laughs> I'd appreciate it. <laughs> but I guarantee you, if you're doing a bodybuilding split right now, you are not training optimally. Unless you're a bodybuilder, but 99.9% of you are not. Um, if, try full body days. Yeah, try full body. Try, try, yeah. If you're doing bodybuilding splits, try full body. Try uh, compound lifts, you know what I mean? More so, rather than these kind of ISO movements. Try more compound based exercises. Try Olympic lifts, see what happens. Um, you know, if if you're doing what's other common common training styles that people kind of get stuck in a rut on? Uh, if you're on the machines, try free weight bang. exercises. Yeah, oh my god, that's a huge one, yeah. huge one. If you're just using cardio, machines is a really really comfortable environment. Of course it is. You're sat down all the time, um, but I guarantee you, it's it's not getting you to where you want to be. You know, if you're only doing those things, you need to experiment and move your body in a different way and make it more functional you know we all know either consciously or subconsciously that sitting down all day every day is not good for us so don't come to the gym and sit down the whole time (laughs) all right it's pretty straightforward um so yeah be be open-minded try experiment different things you know we've got a lot of people here with a lot of different experiences and knowledge bases myself on crossfit you've got will sat right next to me he's running chloe doing all sorts of transformation things and, and killing it <laughs> right um you know so it's uh, there's a knowledge out there don't be stubborn enough to not ask for help 
Um, we all ask for help. I have a coach myself. I'm getting help every single day. <laughs> um, so we all we all need that from time to time. We all need to play around and try different things. My last question to you is: Yes. What's next for you, football Tom? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, what is next for George Royfield? So. Yeah, yeah, apart we'll, from yeah, no, walk out of here. Can we just make this clear? We do call you this, but <laughs> we need to make it clear on the podcast just to make sure that people don't actually think that you are taking steroids or something <laughs> along those lines. George Roythorn does not take anything. We just joke about it because he is just so. In- His name's Roythorn. Yeah, I mean, it was only right to replace Roy with Royd. You yeah. know, come on. Yeah. It's because we're jealous, all right? It's because we're jealous of his, of his, Thanks, of his good. Thanks, <laughs> um, But what is next for you? What is it that you want to do next? Uh, what is your progression? What are you going for? Um, I think, you know, seeing as we've just spoken about it for however long, uh, I suppose it's right to keep with CrossFit, yeah. Um, You're going to become a cyclist. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Actually, CrossFit just sucks. I just want to go and walk really hard. Yeah, I'm just going to walk. Come on, instructor. Uh, <laughs> next Can't question I mean for me I kind of feel like I'm only just touching the surface with CrossFit yeah. um, I feel like I'm only just starting to kind of hit a curve if you like upwards rather than downwards um, so I really want to kind of see see where it's going to take me where that curve is going to end um, so you know keep training hard keep pushing keep progressing as much as I possibly can and keep competing um, I would like to obviously push on the competitive front and, and try and compete at the highest level I can. It was exactly the same with Barcelona. I want to take that exactly the same with CrossFit. The Masters uh, in CrossFit is considered from 35 onwards, so I've got you know seven years to. That's ages, before that's the Masters, so I've got seven years to try and get as far as I can. To thin out as many athletes. <laughs> yeah, as well. yeah, that's it. Knock them out, break a few legs. Yeah, and then when I get to Masters, hopefully I can achieve something. Um, so yeah, I want to compete at as highest level as I possibly can in that time. Um, that's from a very selfish, from a very personal perspective. Um, from a less selfish perspective, I would love to teach more people the elements of CrossFit. Now I say the elements of, because as I've just preached about, you don't have to be following CrossFit to a T full time, every single element of it. You can do singular elements of it. And I'd love to teach more people about the singular elements as well as CrossFit as a whole. Um, because I think I truly do believe it can help everyone to a certain degree regardless of your goal and what you're looking to achieve it can help you um, so yeah expanding on the, the CrossFit business side of front and expanding the reputation of CrossFit here at Dream Fitness um, we've got some big big things coming up um, that are going to make uh, you know everyone's everyone's lives a lot bigger um, both from a professional and personal standpoint so keep keep eye out for that team um, but yeah yeah, selfish perspective, get as beastly as I can. From an unselfish perspective, get a team of beastly people um, and train them to be as beastly as they possibly can. And uh, yeah, just, just continue to try and help people, educate people what's good, what's bad, or not so good. Um, and uh, yeah, just be as epic as possible and continue to work with epic people. I'll be here for a bit longer, don't worry. Only a bit? Where are you going? Barley. <laughs> 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 Laptop lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Yeah. Have you got anything to add, Chloe Robinson? No, or I are you that, very happy? I think that wraps us up nicely. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on the podcast today, George. We really appreciate Thank you. Thank you. Um, oh, we will have you back. Round two. Round two, yeah. For sure. Some more informative uh, topics. So if you do have any questions, any subjects you'd like us to cover, um, nutrition, health, exercise, whatever it might be, or just fitness trends, please let us know. Likewise, if you have any questions for, for me, mm. ask me in the gym, uh, DM me, you know, that's the in thing nowadays, isn't it? DM Don't me. forget, although George has a resting bitch face, which I'm sure Ooh. you won't mind me saying, Ooh. you do have a deadpan kind of face. Especially when friendly. I'm training. Yeah, He's very friendly. Um, I must admit, yeah, when I'm training, probably does look like I don't want to speak to you. Uh, I don't mean that personally. I'm just training. It's just um, his face. He can't help it. Yeah, it's much like my surname. Thanks, Mum. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no. Uh, any that is you. You are his dad to thanks for your face. <laughs> you look exactly the same. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> um, yeah, any questions, any comments, yeah, don't please don't hesitate. You can email me, DM me. Um, you can 
approach me in the gym, I'm not going to hurt you, I promise. Um, I am friendly inside. Uh, unless you tell me CrossFit sucks. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, you know, any 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 comments to be fair, even if it is CrossFit sucks, I'd love to I'd love to speak with as many people as I possibly can about all sorts of training, um, and what you're doing and what you're not doing and all that sort of stuff. So uh, even if you yeah. don't agree, you can still be friends. Something yeah, I've learned as a Open mind. That's what Clay thinks about me, isn't it? You know, yeah, I don't actually agree. like Will. Even though she doesn't actually them, so. like me. <laughs> even though she doesn't think I'm that cool, I'm not popular, a bit, bit of a loser. No, I'm joking. <laughs> she's sitting there laughing at me, thinking in her head, she's like, yeah, yeah. Tick. All the above. All the above. Rile up the mean girl inside of me. Absolutely. Guys, I have been Clay Robinson. I have been Will Mapley. I think I've been George Rawthorn. Good man. And that has been episode seven of the podcast. Thank you for listening, and we will see you very soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. Boom! Boys,